Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. Welcome listeners. We are here today with Len Stevens. He's a spokesperson for the VDOT Lynchburg District, which serves Pennsylvania County. And we're here today to talk about several projects that VDOT has going on in Pennsylvania County. And the first one is the Franklin Turnpike Survey. Another is plan a new plan for the tight squeeze intersection. And lastly, we can talk a little bit about the Route 57 East Bridge in the Bannister District. So hello, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me, Diana. So let's start with a survey um, concerning a portion of the roadway along the Franklin Turnpike. Can you describe how this came to be? Yeah, uh, the purpose of this study is to analyze some safety and operational issues along the US 41 corridor, that's Franklin Turnpike, between Orphanage Road and a little north of Hunting Hills Road, with a focus on providing safety improvements and enhanced bicycle, pedestrian, and transit access. The project recommendations made as a part of the study may be developed into future funding applications for smart scale and other transportation funding programs. So were there a a large number of accidents along that portion? I know we had a resident come in earlier this year and and talk about that. Yeah, I I don't have a traffic study specifically to refer to on this. It would seem that there were enough incidents, whether those be accidents or crashes or involving bicycles or pedestrians, I don't know, but that this application does have sound reasoning behind it. These studies can sometimes be proactive as well in anticipation of possible safety concerns that could arise in the future in a particular area. In this case, there was some crash data to suggest a change would do well there. These are generally driven by the localities. The whole smart scale process allows localities to apply for road projects, and then they go through a process to evaluate and rank them and possibly fund them through the Commonwealth Transportation Board. This study is a big part of that process, and we work with the localities to identify potential areas of improvement. They could be driven by things like population growth in certain areas or growth in traffic. And this area was initially brought to our attention due to concerns from the public and a petition that was brought to a board meeting there. So that is how we got going on that one. Has VDOT come up with any potential fixes yet, or is that still in the very early stages? We are we are in phase two right now of this process. It's a three-phase process. So from May to August of this year, there was uh, step one, the phase one, which was diagnosing problems, conducting initial public outreach, and brainstorming alternatives. Phase two is the evaluation part. We evaluate preliminary alternatives, conduct public outreach, obtain feedback, select preferred alternatives. And then we will go into, and that goes through December of this year, that we'll get into January of next year, is when we really conduct the risk assessment and develop and refine preferred alternatives, then prepare a cost estimate and an investment strategy. So that's when we really start to get into design. Uh, We've identified an issue. If the project moves forward, then we start to design how would we tackle that problem. So this is a rather lengthy process? Yeah, it is. It is. It goes from May of 23 through about July of 24. So there's a lot that goes into it. And when we're talking about spending taxpayer dollars, we want to be careful with every single step. Okay. So where can folks, let's see, where folks can find this survey is at publicinput.com forward slash ly-23-09 
And where else can folks find this? Yeah, the easier step is to go to our, our Facebook page. We have a Lynchburg District Facebook page. We'd love everybody to sign up for because we constantly post information about traffic wrecks or construction projects. We have a link there if you, you'd have to scroll down a little bit because uh, we, we keep adding posts on the daily. But there is a link there on our Facebook page. Also on our Twitter or X account, we have a link there as well. Okay, great. So everybody go check out that survey and, and give VDOT some feedback. Um, the next project we're going to talk about is the tight squeeze intersection, which is in the process of being canceled. Earlier this year, the Board of Supervisors wrote a letter opposing it, and so did, of course, local residents. Um, people were a bit unnerved, maybe, by the design that was initially proposed. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Maybe a little background first. A, a component of VDOT's long-range plan is to preserve and enhance the safety and capacity of highways included in the Commonwealth's Arterial Preservation Network. Route 29 is a part of that network. And then we also want to promote innovative transportation solutions as an alternative to the traditional approach, which would be simply widening. Uh, to accomplish this in 2019, VDOT conducted an arterial management plan study along Route 29, which included evaluation of the intersection of US 29 and Virginia Route 703 at tight squeeze. The goal was to target spot improvements and explore innovative configurations to maintain or improve the safety and operation of the intersection. The result of this tight squeeze intersection study was a recommendation of what's called an R-cut. That's a restricted crossing U-turn. It is innovative. And it is a little unusual if you're not used to it. it it's an, a design that reduces crashes by changing how road traffic crosses or turns left at a major road, reducing potential conflict with other vehicles. In this intersection, the original design went from 32 conflict points to 14. That's good for safety. Uh, according to uh, Federal Highway Administration, our cuts or restricted crossing U-turns have seen a, a reduction in fatal and injury crashes by about 22%. So there are safety benefits. But it is a little unusual, and the design redirects left and through movements, making a right turn. To go left. You're right. It's a right to go left. And that, and I think that upset people. Yeah. Uh, it didn't make sense to them. Well, we heard a lot from people at the public hearing. It, it was not popular at all. We always seek to involve the public. The public didn't care much for an R-cut design. They let the Board of Supervisors know about it. The board then reached out to VDOT to discuss canceling the project. That decision has to be made by the Commonwealth Transportation Board, not VDOT, but we did pass all of that information along, and we got that feedback. We appreciate people's feedback, and rather than just cancel the plan, though, our district did decide, well, what can we do? And so there was a development of a more traditional proposal that will still provide operational improvements to the intersection, along with some safety benefits, and we shared that proposed alternative with the Board of Supervisors back on August 28th. That resulted in a decision to share it with the citizens for their input. So we have a citizens information meeting scheduled for September 21st. I believe that's a Thursday, and that goes from right. 4 to 6 p.m. at Chatham High School. So we will present this proposed alternative and get the public's input on that. So how will that meeting be set up? What can folks expect? Well, you can, you can come in and ask about this new plan and give your thoughts as to whether you like it or not. So there's no R-cut anymore. There's no more turning right to go left. The alternate plan will add an additional left turn lane onto 29 northbound from Tight Squeeze Road and a right turn lane onto 29 northbound from Fairview Road. Uh, adding these turn lanes will reduce the amount of time drivers wait to make those turning movements. 
In addition to the turning lanes, there would be lighting and rumble strips uh, proposed for the intersection. The existing poles would be relocated out of the median and adjacent to 29, and then there would be a raised median for a portion of Tight Squeeze Road to reduce conflicts from driveways that are too close to the intersection. Primary benefit here would be efficiency. There are opportunities with this new design to also see possibly fewer crashes. The number one type of crash we see at that intersection currently is a rear end collision. So we would hope that with greater efficiency moving through the intersection, much less of a backup, hopefully fewer rear end collisions. There are also some access management improvements. Uh, the new median on the tight squeeze road there would reduce crashes from vehicles trying to go into and out of the corner gas station there by reducing vehicular conflict points. Again, that's important when we talk about safety is those conflict points. There have been at least four reportable angle crashes in the last 10 years at that location with one injury. Also, the additional lanes on the side streets will allow for the entire intersection to operate just much better, reducing those delays in the queues. Again, hopefully reducing those rear end crashes. Well, as Len said, um, folks will have a chance to speak out on that this week at Chatham High School from 4 to 6 p.m. on Thursday. So please try Yeah, share your thoughts. Indeed. There is another piece of roadway in the county that has generated some concern. It is the Route 57 East Bridge, the one that was reduced to one lane. Um, I know the county is in discussions with VDOT on possible solutions, but can you talk about that bridge a little bit and why it's not like high up on the list for being replaced? Sure. I'll, I'll start with a little bit of the history of that bridge for you. The existing Route 57 bridge over Bannister River was built back in 1932. It simply was not designed for the sort of modern loads that we see on the roads today. The original design was for two 15-ton trucks passing, two 15-ton trucks passing on the bridge. An analysis of the condition, including some deterioration of structural steel members in the truss span, well, that determined that the bridge would require weight restrictions and field posting for the bridge to continue operating with two lanes of traffic at the same time, okay? So it's a 91-year-old bridge. We do inspect it every year. When I mention deterioration, that can sound a little concerning, right? But uh, all bridges have, as they age, they get a little bit of deterioration, and that's just part of the part of the game here. The bridge is, however, in fair condition. For that reason, it does not qualify for state of good repair funding in the state. To qualify for those funds, a bridge has to be rated in poor condition, and this bridge is not. It's been doing pretty darn well for a 91-year-old bridge. So the question became, what do we do? We, you know, do, do we put a load restriction in place requiring heavier vehicles to make a detour and avoid the bridge altogether? We could have done that, but in an effort to ensure that private and commercial vehicles continue to use that bridge safely and to eliminate posting the structure, we took the following steps. In, in March of 2019, we completed a minor structural repair to the truss span of the structure. In April of that year, we reduced traffic on the structure to one lane across the center of the bridge, so one lane at a time, and we did that with the use of a traffic signal. That allowed for the field posting and weight restrictions to be removed. So there is no weight restriction on that bridge, therefore there is no need to detour around the bridge. The obvious exception to that would be some particularly heavy, extremely heavy load, but that's a special circumstance anyway. And in those cases, a carrier works with VDOT to chart the proper course and that's when you have vehicles in front and behind and the yellow lights going. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that, that, that wouldn't qualify here. For, you know, that would be a different circumstance altogether. Um, but, but yeah, so right now 
we are continuing to inspect the structure every year. It is, it is not deteriorated to a point that it qualifies for that funding. And we have this situation where it's one lane across each way. Uh, this, and by the way, that signal, it stays green for eastbound traffic. That's the primary movement. It only turns red when a vehicle approaches from the west. In that case, the eastbound turns red for 53 seconds. Then it switches again to green for the eastbound traffic. About 1,400 vehicles pass over the bridge each day. That averages to about one vehicle per minute. Uh, I know that during the day, you can have more there. I mean, obviously at 2 a.m., you're not going to have, you might go several minutes without a single vehicle. And then at uh, five in the afternoon, you might have a lot more, but, but it's, that's where we are on it. And I appreciate you bringing this up because there has been some misinformation out there about, oh, trucks can't go through that bridge and, and have to turn around. It's less than a minute wait if there's vehicle traffic coming from the other side. So 1,400 vehicles a day, is that considered a high volume road or is that pretty low volume? That's that's fairly low volume, yeah. And that all plays into when we talk about a potential replacement of a bridge, that's one of the questions that is asked. So, you know, we are looking at options. One option being considered is to ultimately replace the bridge with the use of a temporary road and bridge. That work is uh, being completed. While that work is being completed, we would use the temporary bridge. For those who are familiar with it, this is pretty similar to what was done on Route 40 over the Pig River. Yeah, I heard that these temporary bridges are kind of interesting. They're like a military operation would use, perhaps. It, it is, yeah. It's a it's a temporary bridge fabricated by the Acro Corporation of America. It's a, a panel bridge. It consists of individual panels that are 10 feet long, providing a 24-foot wide roadway that can be erected in the field and then bolted together. It's really fascinating. Once the bridge uh, was partially assembled there at Pig River, it was launched or pushed out over the river. After reaching the other side, the assembly was completed, including the steel decking, the railing and whatnot. And this bridge consists of three spans, and there's a total length of approximately 390 feet. The span over the Pig River is 170 feet. This type of bridge is considered to be temporary. However, it's been designed and built to safely carry today's trucks without weight restrictions. That's closer to 40 tons rather than 15. Yeah. And the design life expectancy for modern bridges is 75 years. This is a, called a temporary bridge. It's meant to carry traffic for a much shorter duration than that. It's not a permanent solution, but it is a great shorter term option, uh, probably looking at 10 years or fewer before that would need to be. Oh, really? Pulled. Yeah. It's that yeah. durable. Yeah. And when it's no longer needed, it can be delaunched placed in storage, and then reused in the future when the need arises. So we may be looking at something like that as well for 57. But but we are aware that it is not entirely convenient for people, the Route 57, and we are looking at our options there. Well, good. Well, Len, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope our listeners are more educated on some of the projects that VDOT is working on. Again, check out Chatham High School on Thursday from 4 to 6, and be sure to do that survey. Go to the VDOT. Facebook page, and you can find it there. And thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.